The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. In 2019, a special futures conference was hosted by the U.S. Air Force Space Command, which analyzed evolving conditions in space up to 2060. Eight possible negative and positive futures were identified, the optimal being a quote-unquote Star Trek future, which would involve countries with space programs forming a multinational alliance collaborating in civil, military, and commercial affairs in space. Today, the emergence of Space Force, signing of the Artemis Accord, and creation of NATO's Space Center promise to be the fulcrum for ushering in this Star Trek scenario. Such a future is not assured, however, due to the existence of uncooperative rival space programs of China and Russia. Could one or both launch a space Pearl Harbor that could devastate the entire U.S. GPS system, as predicted 20 years ago by a Blue Ribbon Space Commission? Also, there is the wild card of numerous secret space programs possessing reverse-engineered anti-gravity craft. Their existence is not officially acknowledged by major nations, but their space activities pose major challenges to a Star Trek future. Will Space Force be able to integrate the U.S.-based secret space programs, or will these and their foreign counterparts be obstacles to its future operations? The ultimate question is how the existence of extraterrestrial life will factor into the activities of Space Force and its allies' space forces. Will extraterrestrial visitors respond in a benign or a belligerent way to Space Force, setting up a multinational space coalition to militarily project humanity's presence far into our solar system and beyond? How will a future Starfleet with Space Force and NATO at its core have to deal with rogue secret space programs and alien life operating throughout our solar system? The U.S. Navy's secret space program reportedly has space battle groups built with the assistance of friendly human-looking Nordic extraterrestrials. Under what conditions will the Navy surrender authority over them to continue with Space Force? Tonight's discussion will provide answers to these and many other critical questions about humanity's bold emergence as an interplanetary space power. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview, and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button, at VeritasRadio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. And tonight, a Veritas veteran returns, Dr. Michael Sala is more popularly known as a pioneer in the development of the exopolitics, the study of the main actors, institutions, and political processes associated with extraterrestrial life. He is founder of the Exopolitics Institute and the Exopolitics Journal. 
He is also the news anchor of ExoNews.tv, a popular YouTube channel. He has written many books, and tonight we will be focusing on his latest one titled Space Force, Our Star Trek Future, which is book six of the Secret Space Program series. Dr. Michael Salad joins us directly from Hawaii. Hello, Michael, and welcome back. Aloha, Mel. Very glad to be back on your show. My pleasure. Well, Michael, you keep writing about these news and space and exopolitics, and uh, obviously we never get tired of uh, this subject. Congratulations on the new book. The first thing that jumped out when I, when the President Trump, you know, back in 2019, introduced the Space Force, was he unveiling something that had been operating under secrecy? And if so, why now? Well, that's the, the big question here, Mel. Why did he come out with his proposal for a Space Force back in March of 2018 when he was visiting uh, the Miramar Naval Air Station there yeah, near San Diego? And it took everyone by surprise because only a year earlier there had been a, a congressional initiative to resurrect the idea of a Space Corps a dedicated military service uh, that would be forming itself uh, apart from the other departments and services. And uh, the White House and uh, other officials in the uh, Pentagon uh, disowned the idea. They moved away from it. They didn't support it at all. But uh, just um, really months later, in March of 2018, Trump gave this extraordinary speech supporting the creation of a space force. Now, exactly why he did that, you know, he did make it out as though it was something that he and his uh, key advisors had just bandied about, that it made it look as though it was something that was spontaneous, uh, that it was just a creation of his own um, kind of like informal think tank. But, rea but the reality is that the idea for an independent space service has been around for uh, 20 years now. Um, it actually was proposed during the Clinton administration. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will be kind of surprised to hear that, that uh, actually during the Clinton administration, just at the very end, before uh, the inauguration of the incoming Bush administration, a space commission that had been convened by Congress and the uh, Clinton White House delivered its report recommending the creation of a space corps. Now, you know, at the time, you know, this this was framed in terms of um, protecting the U.S. satellite system. But you know, coming back to your question, uh, and that's something that I, I think we all need to ask: is well, what was this? really just a way to expose or bring into the open source uh, world this secret space program that has been operating behind the scenes uh, for several decades now. And so many people believe, and, and and I would be part of that group, that you know there, there's a lot more behind Space Force than just uh, President Trump uh, in one of his idiosyncratic, um, you know, policy initiatives. We think it was just him, but this came from before. Also, I remember how in, many, in May of 2001, Dr. Stephen Greer, spearheaded the Disclosure Project, 
And of course, that's the 20th anniversary coming up soon. And shortly after, we had 9-11 and the project lost, at least from my perspective, lost its traction. But you may remember the Secretary of Defense, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, who on September 10, 2001, appeared before Congress and stated the Pentagon could not account for $2.3 trillion, which if anyone with a fraction of accounting or finance experience knows, it's an impossibility. Do you think that money went to what is now the U.S. Space Force? I think part of it uh, went to the uh, secret space program that I believe Rumsfeld wanted to um, bring into the more regular appropriations process. You know, that speech by Donald Rumsfeld on uh, September 10, 2001, it's a very important speech. A lot, of, a lot of people, you know, just focus on the portion where he talks about the, you know, missing $2.1 trillion. But actually, if you listen to the whole speech, especially where he talks about uh, the Pentagon bureaucracy as the enemy, I mean, he used really stark terms saying that the Pentagon, uh, basically, the bureaucracy stifles initiatives and um, money disappears down projects that uh, never see the light of day. And so he was he was proposing major legislative reforms and included in those legislative reforms that were going to come out was the proposal for the creation of a space corps. And actually, Donald Rumsfeld chaired the space commission that recommended the space corps. That was in January of that year that he actually, uh, you know, was he had been the chair of the of the very commission recommending the creation of Space Corps, and of course when he became uh, the Secretary of Defense, uh, people began speculating that the creation of a Space Corps was a done deal because uh, Rumsfeld was a big supporter. He headed the commission that recommended its creation. Uh, now he was Secretary of Defense. Uh, talking about reforming the, the the Pentagon bureaucracy and 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 making the money uh, used for projects that would actually be of benefit to the to the Pentagon, as opposed to you know disappearing into into this kind of nebulous world of uh, compartmentalized projects where a lot of the policymakers don't know what is happening. So S- September 11 actually sabotaged that effort as well. And I, you know, I do talk about that in the book. I think it was a very significant series of events there. That uh, if September 11 didn't happen, I think Space Corps would have been created, uh, you know, like at least 15 years earlier. Well, again, going back to May 2001 with the Disclosure Project, that gained a lot of attention worldwide, a lot, and it seems that. It was overshadowed by the September 11 disaster. But you mentioned the 2001 commission uh, that they warned us of a future space Pearl Harbor. And let me add something else. I believe commissions like the Warren Commission or the 2001 commission, I believe them as much as I believe that Santa Claus is real. But go ahead and tell us why. what are they saying? That can be a well, future space uh, Pearl Harbor, the possibility of an attack on U.S. space systems and by whom? 
Okay. Well, uh, commissions are, tip, uh, are are the favourite way of the bureaucracy and policymakers to create something. So, if you if you want, for example, you know, to do something like create a new military service. Um, you know, you don't just come out and say, "Hey, you know, this is a great idea. Let, let's let's come out with a new military service." What you do in the in the um, in the national security system is that you convene a commission and 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 you frame the commission in in a way that that produces the desired outcome. So in this case, you you frame a space commission and say, "Well, you know, let's look at let's look at space. Let's look at the upcoming national security threats for space, and what can we do to protect our space assets." So you know that's how they framed uh, the, the 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 space commission, and uh, and so the the result was as predicted. Uh, they identified that uh, there were a number of national security threats uh, to U.S. space assets. That they identified China as the country most likely to one day be able to launch a space pool harbor. And destroy the U.S. Uh, satellite system, the, the GPS system, which you know now I think I think it's seventy percent of all U.S. Uh, weapon systems, the smart systems, are reliant on the GPS system. So for a country like China that is catching up to the U.S., this gives them a, an incredible asymmetric means of crippling the U.S. military. If you take out, you know, using your Kind of like um, you know, surface missiles or your space assets. If you take out uh, the, the U.S. GPS system, you know you've 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 basically rendered seventy percent of the U.S. military uh, redundant. Uh, they they can't operate. And so the solution uh, that the Space Commission came up to this problem was the creation of a Space Corps. And of course, that would have required money being siphoned away from these compartmentalized special access programs um, and and going into the creation of this space core uh, but that but that never happened that the 911 attacks I, I think were you know part of this kind of like new world order agenda uh, to achieve multiple things but one of the, one of the goals of that uh, was to really get the American public focused on a new threat, and that would be global terrorism. And, you know, we have that incredible speech by uh, General Wesley Clark where he talked about, what was it, six or seven, uh, seven. Middle East countries that would be targeted in succession after Afghanistan, showing, proving that there truly was a New World Order agenda for the U.S. to put all its resources into uh, you know, these the war on terror, and and that would have weakened the U.S. military to the extent that one day China or Russia could launch a space pearl harbor, and and then the U.S. Mil military would be crippled, and the the result would be that China would become the new global hegemon, and this is something that. Uh, the New World Order, you know, we call them the Deep State, the Cabal, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. I think it's very clear that they want, that they are building China up to be the new global hegemon. And so to do that, I think they've setting, they've set the U.S. up, the U.S. military up uh, for a space attack. 
so that uh, China would one day emerge uh, the dominant nation on the planet. And so that's, I think, why the idea of a space corps or a space force as a dedicated military service was basically shelved for nearly 20 years. It's very interesting because I think you're absolutely right. Not only do they try to beat us commercially, but now militarily also. But the outcome, whenever the deep state has an outcome in place or in mind, they materialize it in their minds. But just like the war on terror was already planned, but then we had the Project for a New American Century devised not too long before that. The Patriot Act was already written before that. The 2001 commission gave the deep state the necessary optics to rally the population behind the so-called effort. So you're saying that all these commissions are for optics so that the outcome is, is, is materialized and the population rallies behind the efforts. Oh, yeah. All these commissions definitely are designed to produce a certain outcome. I don't think any commission really is set up so that they can, you know, explore issues to um, – come up with some creative solution. I think they're all set up with a predetermined agenda. Um, but, you know, there are there are good people uh, as well as bad bad people in the system. And so I, I think in the case of the Space Commission, the one that recommended the creation of the Space Corps, you know, this was a white hat initiative, I believe, uh, to, to really do something to, to help the US. And You know, Donald Rumsfeld is such a fascinating character. I mean, I always thought of him as like this uh, really dark actor. And, of course, I mean, everyone knows how he was, uh, you know, part of the whole war on terrorists, setting it up at the beginning. But, you know, in this early period when he was really trying to reform the Pentagon and and, and come up with um, this Space Corps and, and other innovative projects, I think he really was trying to promote a white hat agenda, and I, and I think that that's probably because he himself has been directly involved in the secret space programs going back to the 1970s. Um, you know, he he actually he actually sat on the only uh, congressional committee. Uh, to to discuss the UFO phenomenon that happened, I think it was 1967, and uh, he was also the guy, uh, you, you know, the very famous uh, Jackie Gleason incident where uh, President Nixon took Jackie yeah. Gleason to a Homestead Air Force base. Well, he was met by a very senior aide that that ushered him in. Well, that was actually Donald Rumsfeld back then. Donald Rumsfeld was. Uh, Nixon's uh, uh, senior advisor on military affairs. I mean, he was a, a captain in the U.S. Navy Reserve, and and he was the guy that took uh, Nixon and Gleason through all of the security apparatus to see the recovered craft that was being stored at home Homestead. Um, and so there's many other uh, people. Well, there's several other people who who discuss. Uh, Rumsfeld invo involvement in the secret space program. So I believe that one of the reasons he he was behind the creation of Space Corps was that this was something that the rank and file within the uh, within the secret space program wanted. You know, because you can imagine if 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 you if you're part of a covert space program, 
that's secret. Well, you know, it, it can't appear on your military record. So it means that, uh, you know, your any service you do for that covert branch um, is, is not acknowledged on your military record. That And that impacts your prospects of, of promotion. It impacts your uh, future pensions and... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, Proceed to the Veritas Plus member section, or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today, with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.